0: Welcome to VR in Education. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of VR in Education, where we dive deep into the world of virtual reality for teaching and learning. Today, we have the pleasure of talking to Dmitry Sheglov. He is the CEO of DW Pro. DW Pro focuses on industrial simulations and learning engagements, and their big focus is mostly what we might call hard skills training. So, welcome to the show, Dmitry. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. That's a pleasure. I always like to begin with an origin story because even though VR has been around for a while, it's always interesting to get perspective on how people got started or got interested in the medium. Oh,
1: that was a great story. I think it was a great story with my partner, Carl, because before we got into VR education, we had experience in doing VR movies for corporate. Usage for you know for exhibitions we had pretty large projects for example with uh, large energy companies and we shot underwater and uh, above very beautiful places very interesting ones and then COVID started and you know we stuck because of the COVID on one of the islands in the uh, I think in Galapagos Islands uh, and so when we got out of there so our clients eventually stopped uh, doing many many movies they started doing cg and cartoons for you know for workers education and there was big demand and we saw that while making these movies or cg it wasn't as effective as our clients thought it could be because people just were just watching tv you know and not going through experience, not memorizing uh, things. And uh, initially, that was the moment that this idea came uh, to our head. So if we know our clients well, we know their needs and we know the specifics of enterprise clients, so maybe we could uh, come up with a solution much better for education like a product, ready-made product, that could solve many problems of their workers education all over the world because while moving the content for education we understood that there are several regulations that are pretty common across different companies united states vatam uh india and they all they all have this osha Nibosh, and iso standards and big companies they I don't want to say that but they're pretty much the same in the safety rules they're very strict and they try to be the best in safety because you know safety is um, I think the world the world of the last 10 years in enterprise and that and we started doing first modules um that as i remember it was working at height because we dive deeper in the analytics of people get injured and maybe dead uh, at the workplace. And the falling from height was the the main reason of them being injured. And so it, it was our first module. We used uh, worldwide st- uh, stats from different sources. And our clients really liked that. And the next step was to spread the demo packages, spread the idea, spread the videos of this content so they could evaluate and say, like, is it good or is it bad for them?
0: You know, it's funny you say that about heights because I'm incredibly scared of heights. And one of my first jobs (laughs) coming out of university was a painting position. So I thought this would be great. And right away in the job site, they put me on scaffolding that was probably 10 meters plus up. And I was up there shivering and I couldn't paint. And, uh, you know, I just couldn't help but think if the company maybe would have given me VR to say, like, here's what the job entails, give it a try. Or moreover, given me VR to maybe help me cure that fear of heights or help me become more comfortable on the scaffolding. Which brings me to my question, actually, and that is, you know, you're right. The movie industry is more of a passive approach to watching. Whereas, you know, when we use the term training or good learning, it's subjective. But right now, a lot of your industry is using... 2D videos to try and teach something that maybe requires more than just passive learning. Talk to me a bit about that. Uh, movie watching
1: differs from training in, 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 some, in some points. Training takes you not only into information, but also into the experience and during during this experience, you have the mistakes. You have uh, you are doing it yourself, and so you memorize it. And that's why we made this step because you you don't remember just by watching something. You remember with the tons of different factors. So you remember the way you were sitting. You remember your muscles. Remember what what we're doing there. So different positions of the muscles. They also create these connections into the brain that help memorize the information and so vr brings you into the world where you move here from different sources because vr headset help you identify the source of the sound for example the explosion and so you see it you feel it like you feel it in your imagination but it's very important because imagination and impression uh, is very important for learning and some people can say that, yeah, you are making funny game, but it's, you know, the big part is entertaining the worker. Yeah, but th- there's a catch, you know, because while entertaining, we make it memorable. So we make imprinting into the uh, the brain so the worker could uh, could remember the situation and behave like he was, because he was there before. In the dangerous situation, in helping uh, some people, colleagues that, for example, had some accident. And the other important thing that while you're doing this experience, not once, because in VR training you do it at least three times while learning, while training, while passing the exam. And this is not only going through this experience again and again, this makes connections into the brain that stays on a subconscious level because in after some repetitions you have this muscle memory that helps you start doing something immediately not memorizing and doing or uh, remembering and doing it after that you just feel like doing it immediately like bicycle riding because you don't remember any time so your first lesson with a bicycle you just feel it naturally coming And that's what we're trying to bring to our students, to our workers, and to the clients. So any of our training deals with situations that can be very dangerous if anything goes wrong. Because confined space, work at height, and all that stuff, all all of them are dangerous. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I looked at your training library and it's impressive. There's like over 15 titles and, you know, some of them just for the listeners to give them perspective are things like electrical safety, fire safety, how to use lockout tags, you know, and and it goes on and on. Of of your library, which ones right now tend to be the most popular?
1: Mm, The most popular one is, I think, confined space. Uh, because we work with the many big uh, oil and gas companies uh, and the United States is uh, very famous of these companies and we have partner our beloved partner Pixapix company that is spreading our apps through these big big guys and confined spaces is is one of the leaders in injuring people because it's a very uh, if I say it right crumblesome situation because you have to take tons of things with you and check tons of factors. And if you forget just one thing, for example, your radio, you will not be able to get out if you felt sick because you will not be able to scream to the other person. He just should see you falling down, for example. And this is this makes it very popular. And so the, the other one is work at height because work at height is a super spread, as you said, from painting just from the start from painting to super-qualified workers that work on uh, wind energy stations, it's just the same. You should be safe at height, and you should be safe when you when someone will come to rescue you. You should be okay with that. And that's it. Uh, and one more is fire safety. Yeah, it's, it's a big one. <laughs> fire safety, uh, some people and some of our developers showed it to their relatives. And so they said it's very important because our relatives didn't didn't know how to use firefighting devices, didn't know what to do when fire appears. They just really never thought about it, just as the usual people say. And that was important.
0: And here, uh, yeah. The the th- you already mentioned this, but I really want to unpack it more. As someone who's spent part of their career, myself, in instructional design, you know, you hit, you hit the nail on the head, so to speak, when you said, it's not the same if you just go through the steps. You know, we might call this cognitive apprenticeship. So just, you know, I'll do it and then you do it. And so when we look at your modules, you actually have three modes, as you talked about you know, mode number one is learning, mode number two is training, and then the third mode in your VR experiences is exam. Talk to us a bit more about the difference between the learning mode, the training mode, and the exam mode for us. Thank you, great
1: question. I think it's the core of our training because methodology always comes first in any, super innovative design that can be. So we st- we developed these three modes, taking into account the information from very old methodology, books, that, you know, formed the modern education, formed modern education in industrial sector and formed also college and school education that in the beginning of the last century. And the f- the first things people used when starting teaching people working at the factory, they repeated by doing things that their colleagues did at just near them. And so our first trainings and the learning mode was very corridor style game, uh, like you take this, you do that. and. Because they're very simple, you repeated these steps. Sometimes they're very, too simple for people. And they say, oh, okay, this is simple. All right, let's go to examine. You see that you also make mistakes in the simple things. And so learning was this basic, you know, look at me and I show you how to do it. And this person was you because when you're in our module, the voice tells you what to do. You see the things, you take them and do what the voice is telling you to, to do to complete and after that we developed new some new learning modes that were more open world you could mix uh, the scenarios in our I think in our s- scaffolding you can do in you, you can change the scenario a bit so you could make your unique way through the training and this uniqueness will also help will also be helping you to memorize it and so you cannot make mistake in learning mode. You, someone very clever takes you by hand and <laughs> goes you through the whole training. And the training mode, the second one, is that you in the open world, and you can do anything making mistakes. And it's very important. Uh, every mistake you make is explained in a simple explanation, so you try to start working without signing the work permit. It's a bureaucracy thing, but it's important. It's very <laughs> important because it, it, it locks the situation for the workers. It helps them to, be, to stay safe. And you make mistakes and they don't stop you from doing this. Uh, so you made mistake, you can remake this step and go forward. And the exam is for showing to the trainer that is maybe helping you in this, or like a teacher, uh, is showing to the trainer, to your teacher, that you know this information perfectly well. In our exam modes, you can make only one mistake, and uh, you should start again. And sometimes it's difficult for people to They say this is too rough, this is too strict, uh for them to have only one mistake possible but we use one mistake exam only in dangerous situation almost all of them are dangerous (laughs) so we i think all (laughs) our exams are one mistake situation for many students but when you go through this exam maybe you have three attempts the level of recognition of this information the level of your readiness to use this information is very high we tested it on a very cool guys from fire safety department that you know super professional guys that have all the certificates in the world they can save you from falling airplane i think and uh, these guys (laughs) just took our trainings and say all right we are super duper professionals Let's go through to the exam right now. I said, you even, don't, you, you even don't play games. Could you please use learning? He said, No, I go to the exam and we see if, it, if I can understand your exam and your module. So, as a usual person. And, he, and it was our great surprise. He passed the exam from the first attempt, work at height this is 20 minutes exam no mistakes were made and we you know just shocked we just and the this i think this proves a point that methodology comes first and if you know this if you know the information the mm-hmm. vr will not stop you from doing something like you don't understand it or it's it's vr is just a game it doesn't matter if you know the information you will connect with the exam, and you will show that you know it. And that's that's a very important thing. All three, these three modes, they, they bring our clients' understanding that this worker knows something perfectly well, not doing mistakes in a stressful situation. And it will save some lives or some equipment when something happens.
0: How long... Are Approximately, obviously it depends on the topic or the skill being trained, but roughly how long are the modules if one goes from learning to training to exam, do most people spend how long in there?
1: They're usually, I think one module is 10 to 15 minutes long. And if you go... Through three of them, the next steps, training and exam, will be shorter for you because you, you're you speeding up each time you're doing this because you know it uh, perfectly well already from the learning mode. And the interesting thing that it was not because we wanted these modules to be very short. Uh, we, from the beginning, our clients said, you should integrate into our existing pipeline. And our pipeline will not let you will not let you have hours of training in VR. You should be very unit made uh, with your software so our students could understand how many minutes and our teachers could understand how many lessons they will be using it. So in if you don't do that, we, we just don't know where to put this in because education is a Time limited thing, and we pay for each minute of this training, so that's why you need to make units. And so, we made very short trainings, and we have one exception it's scaffolding because you know, as scaffolding systems are very long to be built, and it's our, mm. our long one, it's Iron Man in
0: trainings, it's 40 minutes. <laughs> I love that, yeah, <laughs> you know. The other challenge with this medium is trying to convince educators, educational institutions. And, you know, let's talk a bit about that because like you, I work with teachers and, you know, sometimes it takes a long time to get them to realize the power and efficacy of using this type of modality and putting it into how they roll out teaching to their curriculum. So, you know, tell us more about some of the conversations that you've been having with educational institutions to to see, you know, whether they're interested in taking up this type of training and what's working in those conversations and what do you keep finding time and time again that you have to try and convince them about?
1: It's, you scratched, you know, the painful topic. Really, you know, like, <laughs> I don't think that VR is a problem for modern society. The understanding of this is, as you said, a real problem. Yeah, we had some really interesting situations when we started presenting this to our clients, and we presented not to the, the head of the company, but we presented to the teaching office or teaching team of this client. And so the first thing we heard that so do you mean that they all fire us <laughs> because of your training because no <laughs> one will need a teacher <laughs> so we said no it's not this one because this is a helping technology you know like car that is helping you to get somewhere mm, very fast not just fast but very fast and the next step in our presentation i think two years ago we started educating people about vr educating people inside our clients presenting it presenting the lessons we were visiting them and showing that it's not then it's not super i don't super difficult to use it at the lesson and uh, we spent I think a year talking to different teachers, staff, uh, teacher teams about how to use VR. and it also helped us develop this very simple interface because our trainings are super simple to use. They, you just put headset on and you see three you choose the training, it's very simple. you click on it, and you have three modes to go through. and that's it. And one more thing is that we use mobile headsets. You don't need to set everything up. So the teacher doesn't have to be IT specialist. And we also use one button mode for all of our trainings. We use only one button on your index finger to make all the actions inside. Even teachers without any gaming experience, I don't know, even without any possible experience can use it. And so we have... And we have this experience also helping them. And after that, we our next step in understanding teachers was this large project in Belgium. We are, we are, we are really proud of. Uh, RTC Adverpen brought us to Belgium, and now we are in 700 colleges across the whole country. And now we're doing interviews with teachers using our trainings, and they're talking not only about our trainings, they're talking mainly about how... Uh, they were frightened to use them. How it was difficult to start the lesson, understanding the starting the headset and waiting for it to charge. I I don't know many different difficulties and little problems. And uh, so some. Our in our last interview, one teacher said that possibly if the teacher sees that your app did something wrong or locked up or it doesn't working from the beginning he will definitely will not be using it at all because it will ruin his lesson mm. and ruin his pace his tempo at the lesson and uh the question from RTC and from our clients was as you said so how do we inspire teachers simply speaking to use your technology in uh, at their lessons and the uh, After that, we started LinkedIn posts, uh, different little videos about how other teachers use it. And we also inspired the teachers that that, uh, are in colleges to use some students that that are fans of VR and gaming to help them. They have some projects, some free time at their projects, and so these students started helping them, showing not... Training, but showing them games, showing them painting apps, and also our trainings, and so they saw it, that it's possible, and that the teachers have this experience at the lessons, and so it's not a monster <laughs> to yeah. to bring at the lesson. Uh, yeah, that was the way, and I think that we are still educating. That's why I was I started to listen to your podcast because. I heard the real mm. questions from real teachers that I really never thought of because at uh, it, your last, I think, uh, podcast, uh, the teacher said that some girls said that they were frightened to put the headset, the headset on. So you put something in the face. And we are like developers, we are like guys from technology that we don't think about just no problem. Let's put anything at our head just started going. And yeah, some people really don't like it and we can explain it to them. So maybe some headset will be good for them. Maybe something will be comfortable.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I myself who deploy a lot into the classroom and to students on a day in and day out basis, have already started noticing, you know, the comfortability of the students, which then translates to the comfortability and lower anxiety on the teacher. So what happens at, you know, one of the schools I work at is they bring their students to the VR lab and I walk the students through an orientation and then I talk about what learning experience they need to go through. And, you know, when you start to get repeat classes, repeat groups of students, it's just blatantly obvious how quickly and seamlessly that process starts to be. And, you know, I have many repeat teachers that will come in and they've even said to me, you know, okay, I remember the first time I brought my class in, you know, like you said, we had to you know, we had to talk about the controls and, you know, do you use the joystick or not? And what about the X button? Do I push the A button or the B button? All that stuff, the comfortability of using it is gone away now. And the kids, especially this one particular science class that comes in a lot, they're just, they hop in there and there's very little friction away. They go, they're in there learning and the teacher is, you know, said to me you know okay it's it's becoming ubiquitous to them like using their phone to the point where they don't even notice the slight uncomfortability that the headset provides yeah. like when, when people first go in some of the kids are like oh it kind of hurts my head a bit they yeah. they start to see the sweet spot is how tight how tight should i put the strap and so you know it's it's just a matter mm-hmm. of time i think dimitri when all those little barriers which seem big to someone brand new start to go away. So uh, I I love the fact that you're persevering on that. I wanna sort of switch a little bit because the other interesting thing that really wanted me to come talk to you guys is that you're coming from Dubai and I haven't really had anyone on the podcast from the Middle East. But not only are you guys coming from Dubai, you do or have clients actually all over the world. You talked about you have clients in the US. And this can be tricky because, you know, regional areas might have differences in how you set up the VR experience, you know, how culture and ethos might play a role in how you build a VR learning experience. So, you know, tell me a bit more about this because I know before the show we've talked about it a little bit.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Uh, appearing in Dubai was a first idea uh, for a technology company that wants to be at the edge of oil and gas market to be available. So Dubai is a very famous for its you know, mixture of cultures of the businesses coming in and going out. It's, it is developing rapidly as we see around. It's building constantly. It's growing and now it's appearing on the worldwide scale more and more. But, The fun thing was that we, until now, we don't have many clients in Dubai. (laughs) We have more clients in Europe, in the United States, in 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 Latam region, I think, than we have in Dubai. Because our Dubai clients, they, they also they always, I think, pretty big companies, for example, Saudi Aramco or other, and they even. Don't, they are not our direct clients because we are not large company, but they need large IT company to have all this software inside. And our United States partners bring it to them through the help of their inter, international connections. And according to the content from the beginning, we thought that, all right, we're like st- startup should make the product that everyone in the world will like and nothing in this product Will be uh, something strange for any person in the world, and so we tried to develop as unique, universal scenarios in a f- in a way of uh, in the way of visualizing around you that we could possibly make, uh, and when we. Talked to some companies in Dubai. Uh, the one comment was that our guys, their colleagues in the VR module were too, you know, too white, uh, too light too to be. <laughs> because the module happens in the desert, and so they should be very tanned because of this terrible sun going <laughs> from everywhere. <laughs> but also, we have clients from Canada and we have also have clients from Belgium, and that people are very don't have much sun to be very tanned. And we tried to find this sweet spot for universal access, universal understanding of our modules. And uh, now we are working towards including more uh, characters as your colleagues uh, from different maybe cultures and from different maybe roles. Because as you know, the enterprise world is a man's world. And now it's changing, but in oil and gas it's changing not super fast because it, it's pretty traditional. And we will be including uh, male and female characters, uh, different different nations, and so this mixture could help people understand not only the process of the work, but also that you you, you can meet other nationality and you should respect it and you should maybe there, there will be some uh, in-game features that you should use when talking to other nationality. We'll be including AI, I think, soon to have this. And like our very beloved, you know, competitor, body company that is doing only soft skills training. For uh, gender inclusivity, for work talks about HR and all these difficult situations, conflicts. So they include different person, uh, persons from different nationalities, and uh, yeah, that that only helps learners. That helps them recognize themselves. It's very important. And and, and, s- and for, as, so, so go yeah, ahead. Yeah, as for Dubai. Uh, it's a mixture of cultures, and our clients. I think they very international. They don't say that. All right, we're a Dubai company. We do it this way. They say we're a Dubai company. We do it international way, uh, and many many of them them have international standards at the workplace, and this helps us because the uniform, the personal protective equipment, and the tools very universal, and it also helps uh, the students.
0: It, it is a challenge to try and create a, a library that might be used around the world, you know, and I, I do have lots of people that I talk to who initially start out their companies like you guys, you know, aspiring to create this library that then someone can come and say, oh, yeah, you know, my company here in Canada, we're going to adopt those. And, you know, then they find that another client in Europe sort of says, well, you know what, you know that in your library for scaffolding, you know you have it outside and there's snow in the ground and so on and so forth. That just doesn't make sense to to us in you know in Singapore. Can you change it mm-hmm. so it's not like a snowy environment with scaffolding. So it therein lies the challenges when you're working in a medium that includes so many different things, like, the context as well as like you said what the avatars look like and so on and so forth so you know good for you guys for being open and adjust and and you know a startup okay. always has to pivot and iterate and and so i'm, I'm really impressed and, and proud of you guys for sort of asking you know so many people like what what is it that is going to resonate with them uh, i'm mindful of time i want to give you an opportunity if there's anything else that maybe has been left unsaid yet in this conversation that you think the listeners might want to hear about? Yeah,
1: I, I just was—I was thinking about some of the words from your last podcast about universal training modules. Universal in the terms of that the world is global now, despite of the some situations around the globe, but it's more and more global, and the companies become very international in the way of training so yeah we really need to make this universal modules but we had recently a visit to india to different companies that can be also our clients and we saw how this cultural thing is still important because when you are when you are in the startup world in a fancy VR world with the developers from different countries, you say uh, you say they understand all these fancy things, but when you come to the traditional India when people building something, people make uh, agricultural machines, and you also see that this universal module is very difficult to build, and sometimes universal module is can Rice can have some problems in teaching people in other countries. and this is uh, one of the pivoting points I think next year we'll be thinking about the how the, the way the training should be adapting on the fly to the student. so depending on his region, depending on his I, I, some features. And all this adaptation will be happening for, uh, for the sake of good learning, for understanding, for making, imprinting memories, if I'm pronouncing correctly. And we added test module in our last trainings. We, are, we constantly make new trainings because we are not making them on the client's request. It happens sometimes, but we're mainly making our product bigger and bigger and now we have new training. It's called protective, personal protective equipment. And in this module, we put in some test. It's a mirror that you see yourself. You, you don't see yourself like a real person. You see all things that are on you to check them. And we saw that many of our students, they were just happy to have a mirror in the training. They said, oh, it's me, and they started doing things with their hands. Some were dancing. It's not connected to the real you know, informational stuff inside the module. But the way it makes it memorable, it's so much, we never had it in our best trainings, the most complicated ones. Now, this mirror, everyone remembered <laughs> and everyone liked. <laughs> That's interesting. So I think that including something, like universal things that people really like, like recognizing themselves, communication with other people. Um, I think saying someone saying that you are doing great, not just voice in your head, but someone colleague coming, so say thank you, you are doing great, you helped me. This will bring training to a new level. It's it's more than VR it's methodology as we started talking about it methodology will benefit from it and i hope to develop it it
0: It reminds it it reminds me dimitri of one of my very first experiences when i bought my uh, first vr headset it was an htc vive and they had uh, an experience that was done by the the valve company and it was called the lab and you went into the lab and One of the things that you could experience was Vespers Peak. So you get into this mountainous Vespers Peak environment and beside me spawned a little robot like dog and that little robot like dog, you could pet it and stuff. But the reason I'm telling this story is like uh, having a companion like that that follows you around in a VR experience, whether it's a dog or just, you know, you're a human companion to act as almost like uh, an agent to keep you comfortable. Like you said, you know, you guys are investigating AI. I think it from learn a learning design perspective, having an AI companion, you know, beside you, whether that's, you know, cause I'm on a scaffolding. If I If I was to visually see my AI companion down there, I might feel a little mm-hmm. bit more comfortable in the VR experience. So I love the mirror idea. And like you said, there's so much more that isn't necessarily Directly related to the curriculum that we can do in these VR experiences to even up the ante when it comes to making the learner comfortable, ensuring that their user experience is one that they'll remember for longer periods of time. So, love that comment.
1: Yeah, it's it, uh, how do people it, get a ghost? Goes- to-
0: mm-hmm, sorry,
1: and it also goes to the Go ahead, storytelling. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. It also goes to the storytelling, and the storytelling was always the best teaching method. It's it can be passive, but if you go through this story as a through your experience, because if you listen to a good story, it brings you into the world of imagination that you are yourself inside of this story, and everything is a storytelling as. Many people say, but yeah, our training is story. Any good training, I think, should be storytelling, so people could memorize it and pass to the other people. And as you said, a companion is a great idea because companion makes typical story is you know any story has any main hero has a companion (laughs) and helping and antagonist, protagonist, the conflict, the
0: arc, and the exam at the end. Yes, good comment. How could people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about your guys' work? Yeah, the best way, I think, to follow our LinkedIn
1: page, GW Pro company page. We post all updates there. And so I think we'll keep our subscribers informed about it. Also, we have gwpro.io where you can connect, to, connect with us directly and ask any question. And yeah, please... Use comments on uh, LinkedIn, and I'll or Carl will be answering in no time. I think, because it's our life now <laughs> to make it to make it interesting and popular. And we are talking with many great companies. And now it's a time it, the market understands the value of it. The teacher are understanding, and we are constantly removing the obstacles. You know, we. I just. Take one minute more. Uh, we are now using hand tracking from Ultralib company. And so we removed controllers. And this was so big step. We initially thought it would be difficult to, to understand how to do anything with your hands in VR because you don't hold anything. But people felt it so naturally. They Sometimes they felt something heavy subconsciously. And that was great thing. The moment when we remove the headset will be the best one, I think, in the technology
0: process, (laughs) (laughs) not having to have anything on your head. Amazing. Thanks so much, Dimitri, for coming on the show. And moreover, thanks for pushing VR to all the different parts of the world, especially in your genre, which is, you know, these key industrial safety learning applications so i really appreciate you
1: thank you craig for inviting i'll be also following your podcast and listening to other teachers and maybe your questions to them their answers will help us in developing new features and good things for all the students in the world thank you